My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. On today's program, we're going to be thinking about how to survive a painful loss. Now, losses, of course, are a part of life. We sometimes experience financial losses, personal losses, uh, physical losses, and our health. There are a lot of things we can lose in life. And maybe today you're trying to cope with a painful loss in your own life. And I'm praying today that as we study God's Word, as we think about the Apostle John who had experienced lots of losses in his life, I pray that today's program will be a blessing to you, that it will be an encouragement to you, and that it would help you to better understand that if you will respond properly to whatever it is that you might be facing, you're going to not only come through this loss, but you're going to come through stronger than you've ever been. Now tonight in our Bible study... We're going to be looking at the life of the Apostle John. And you know him as one of Jesus' 12 disciples. You can go ahead and open your Bibles tonight to the Gospel of John if you would like to. He was in that band of men whom Jesus called to devote their lives to following him. John was even in the inner circle. He was in there with Peter and with James. He was James' younger brother. In fact, John was most likely the youngest of all the disciples And he had access to Jesus. And for three years, day and night, day and night, day and night, John was with Jesus Christ. And yet, as we think about John's life, and as we think about some of the things he went through, we discover that the Apostle John had some painful losses in his life. Now, I want to just mention some of these to you. If we had time tonight, or if I chose to take time tonight, we could look all these things up, and it would be a good little Bible study, but I think I can make the point even better without, turn to this verse, turn to this chapter, turn. I want want you just to look at me and think, use your brain, and think about some of the things that the Apostle John had lost in his life. And as I just go through this list, which is rather extensive, I want you to think about your own life. And I'll guarantee you as I go through this list, you're going to sit there and think, well, I've experienced that, or I've had something similar to that, or I never thought of John as having had a loss in that area. You're going to be able to identify better with John. The first thing that John lost in his life was his job. His job. Some of you here know what it's like to lose a job. And John lost his job. He was a fisherman. And he was in the family business with his brother James and their father Zebedee. And one day Jesus walked by the the shores there on the Sea of Galilee. And he said to James and John, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We read about this in Matthew chapter 4. And the Bible says after Jesus said that to them, they left their nets and their father. And so they lost their jobs, they lost their sources of income, and not only that, they lost the privilege of working in the family business. I mean, you read that, they left left their nets and their father, 
But that would be a big deal for men in their 20s to do that, to leave their job and to walk away from their dad's business and working with their dad every day. And so they had not only a financial loss, but they had something emotionally there they were having to deal with, not working with their dad and not being in the family business and how would, how would he survive. And, and so he knew something about loss on that level. But not only did John lose his job and his close working relationship with his dad, but a little bit later in life, John lost his brother James. As we read about James in Acts chapter 12, we read that King Herod had him killed with the sword. Of all 12 disciples, of course Judas hanged himself, so now we're down to 11. Of the 11 remaining disciples, 10 of them were martyred for their faith. The only one who was not killed for his faith was the Apostle John himself. He died of old age. He didn't, he was not, as far as we know, he was not martyred for his faith. But the other 10 were, and the first of those 10 to be killed was James there in Jerusalem. And so here is John with Peter and James in Jerusalem. This is after the resurrection, after Jesus has returned to heaven. They're preaching, they're telling others about Jesus. And, John, and James is killed. Now, how would you like to have been John? By this time, late 20s, early 30s, and now, not only have you left your dad, you have lost your brother. And more than likely, he saw his brother killed. And so, he knew something about loss on that level. But not only did he know what it was like to lose his brother in death... His friends, as I said, those other disciples were all martyred for their faith. And so Peter and Philip and Nathaniel, and I thought about bringing out here tonight, and I had a list, I just chose not to, of how all the disciples were killed. Some were, were pierced with a sword. Some were crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. Nathaniel, I was reading even this afternoon, one theory on Nathaniel is that he was put in a, in a sack and the sack was tied up, and he was thrown out into the sea. So all of these disciples, these friends that, that John had had for those three years, they're, they're all dead. And so he's dealing with the loss now of all of his closest friends. But not only did John have a loss on that level, John had lost his health. As many times happens as people get older, but it can happen at any age. To some extent, we don't know how too much about John's physical situation other than the church fathers who lived just after the close of the New Testament, but some of them were contemporaries with, say, the Apostle Paul or the Apostle John, and some of those who knew John, and I mentioned this last week, say that when he became the pastor of the church of Ephesus, that he became so frail and so weak and so sickly that when he came into the church there to preach on Sundays, men had to carry him. They had to help him. He couldn't even walk in the room himself to preach. And so he, he, lost, he lost his health and he lost his strength. And not only that, he lost his freedom. We could say it this way. The Apostle John lost control of his life. He was arrested for his witness for Jesus Christ. He was taken to an, a Greek island there right on the Aegean Sea. The island is called Patmos. I've been there twice myself. It's a beautiful, beautiful Greek island. It's beautiful. I should say it this way. It's beautiful if you're a tourist. There's a monastery that was built there in the 11th century in honor of John. And, and so, but it would not be beautiful if you were a prisoner on that aisle. And if you were there in exile, it would be like Alcatraz. If you've been to San Francisco or even seen pictures of Alcatraz, I mean, from, from a tourist perspective, you see it on TV, you say, man, that is, that is beautiful out there in the middle of the ocean. That's be well, it's beautiful to watch, but it wouldn't be beautiful if you were a prisoner 
If you were confined to that. And so that's where John was. Here's a man. Think about what I've said. You still listening? Say amen. He lost his dad. He lost the close working relationship with him along with losing his job. He lost his brother to death. He lost his friends to martyrdom. He lost his health. He lost control of his life. He lost his freedom. And here he is now as an old man, probably in his 90s. And he's on that island, that Greek island of Patmos for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he's all alone. He's by himself. Remember, as we saw last week when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus gave John the responsibility of caring for Jesus' mother, Mary. And so church history tells us that John took care of Mary for the rest of her life. But by this time, Mary's long gone. And it's just John. And he's on that island. And he's all alone. And he's by himself. And if you could, you know, if if a person would have just experienced one or two of those losses... It could be very difficult to recover from that. But here is John having experienced all of those losses. And that's why I call the sermon tonight, How to Survive a Painful Loss. Because John knew how to survive. In fact, not only did John survive those painful losses, in time, not immediately, but in time, John thrived after those things he has lost. Because it was after losing All those people and all those things in his life that he's writing the Gospel of John. He didn't write the Gospel of John like while while he was 30 years, while while Jesus was still on the earth. He wrote the Gospel of John 50 or 60 years after the resurrection. He's an old man when he's writing John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the book of Revelation. He's writing those late in life after he's experienced all those losses. And so what I'm saying to you tonight is those losses did not destroy John's life. In time, God used those things to deepen John's relationship with him and to enable him to write some of the greatest literature in all of the Bible. And he wrote it after he had experienced all those losses. Now the question, the obvious question, you're probably wondering, when are you going to get to the question? The question is, how did he do that? How did he survive that loss, and how can we? Let me give you two things to write down tonight, because I think this is at the heart of how John came through this. Number one, it is so very important. It's what John did. Rest in God's love. Rest in God's love. Now, as I said last week, in the Gospel of John... John never identified himself. He never said, I'm John. Now, he did in the Revelation, but not in the Gospel of John. He referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he referred to himself. So think about this. Fifty years after the event, having experienced all of those losses in his life, when he thinks about Jesus and he thinks about his relationship with Jesus... He simply describes himself as the one Jesus loved. Isn't it interesting that he, didn't, that he did not describe himself as a member of the inner circle? As the youngest who became the longest living? No. He was content to be the disciple whom Jesus loved. The first way that John survived all those losses in his life is that he just rested in God's love. He knew that God Loved him. Now let's think about God's love for just a moment. You'd all, I mean, everybody here believes God loves us. You believe that? Say amen. I mean, sure, we know God loves us. But with God's love, by, by God's love, His love for us and our love for Him, I'm not just talking about sentiment or emotion or having warm feeling. With God's love, there's God's presence, 
There's God's provision. And there's God's peace. And so when John described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, what he was saying is, when I was with Jesus for those three years, and now that I've had Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit living in me for the last 50 or 60 years, I have discovered how much God loves me. His presence, He's always with me. His provision, He meets all of my needs. His peace, emotionally, psychologically, all these ways... Jesus takes care of me and Jesus helps me and so I'm resting in his love. And I want to say to those of you tonight, we've all had losses. And some of you have had losses in very recent times. And so for you, it's, a, it's kind of a, of, a, of, a, of a raw experience right now. As time goes by, I think we're able to look back and talk about difficult times in our lives with a little more ease. You know, there's... That open wound has kind of become a scar, and it's a little easier to talk about it. But when you're going through something, at least this is always my experience. When, I've, when I am going through a loss or a difficulty or something difficult in my life, it's not as easy to talk about it while it's happening. Because while it's happening, it's hard to talk to others about how God has delivered you or seen you through that while he still is sitting. Does that make sense? I mean, you're still having to work this out with God. But what I'm saying to you tonight is, as, as you go through that loss, just keep this in mind. While you may have lost a parent, you may have lost a spouse, you may have lost a sibling, you may have lost a child, you may have lost your health, you may have lost freedom, you may have lost independence, you may have lost control of where you live. I think about people tonight watching by streaming, some not even able to watch by streaming, who five years ago, ten years ago, never missed a service, and now they can't be here. They've lost, they've lost their independence. They can't drive. And what I would say to those and people in that type of situation tonight, how frustrating that is, to an extent I understand that, but I want to say to you tonight and to those here, that in the midst of that loss, you still have Jesus. And I think it's easy sometimes when we've lost something to focus so much on what we've lost that we forget what we have left. And that's not just Jesus. That's other people in our lives. But it's mainly Jesus. And so what I would say to you tonight is just focus on His love. Focus on His presence. Focus on the fact that He is there with you. See, when John was on that island of Patmos... I mean, he was alone, humanly speaking, but John was not alone. So focus on God's presence and on God's provision. Before I came to church this morning, I, had, I turned the TV on, which I normally don't do on Sunday mornings. But I turned it on today, and I was trying to find something good to watch, and I came across a sermon by John Hagee in San Antonio. I'm sure many of you love to hear John Hagee preach. I do. And I turned it on. I said, Pastor Hagee, say something good, and I'll say it tonight. That's what I was thinking. Give me something to say. He's always, and he's always got something to say, you know. And, uh, but he was preaching a sermon this morning on trouble. And it was such a good sermon. I told my dad later on today, I said, if it's all right with you, I'd like to call. I don't know him, but I'd like to call his office this week and invite him to come down here and preach one Sunday night and uh, ask him to preach that same sermon on trouble. If you'd like to have him, raise your hand. Okay, I'll say it was unanimous. Everybody wants you to come. <laughs> I say it's unanimous, Pastor Hagee. The whole church is, calling, is crying for you. To, but he was talking about when we go through trouble in life. And he didn't get too specific. I mean, I know he's had open heart surgery. I know some other things he's been through in his life. But he, he made a statement today that I, that I could tell when he said it. 
that it wasn't just something he would say. It, it was from his heart. He said, he said, you know, we've all been through trouble in life. And he said, there have been days in my life when the trouble, the difficulty, the pressure, the stress, the anxiety, all that was so strong that I have said to God, God, just please give me the physical strength to make it till dark. And I thought, wow. I mean, that's, that's quite a prayer there. God, I'm so weak, I can't even. And he got to telling about other people, and he, he gave an example that I had never heard. George Whitfield, some of you who've studied church history know his name. Back in the 1700s, he was a great preacher in England. And through his preaching, multiplied thousands were saved. He preached out in the open air. This was before the days of sound systems and things like we have today. So they just had their big crowds. They didn't have the rooms this big or even big. They just had outside in the fields. And Whitfield would preach and he would preach and his voice would carry. Thousands would be saved. But I never knew until hearing John Hagee this morning that George Whitfield suffered from asthma. And that as he was out there preaching in the open air, that in the course of his sermon, he would have to pause many times to catch his breath. And yet, he kept preaching. I read about another, or he was talking about another man who used to pray for people to be healed. And God had given him some kind of a ministry so that not only did he preach the gospel, but even though all healing comes from God, that, that through this man, God healed many people. And yet, this man had such physical pain. He would go to church. He would preach the gospel. He would pray for the sick, that God would heal them. Many of them would be healed. And he would go home, and he would lay on the floor. And he would be in such pain that he could hardly stand it himself. Think about that. The man who had prayed for others to be healed was so in pain. And he talked about Charles Spurgeon, the great English pastor, pastored in London at Metropolitan Tabernacle, the most influential pastor, at least as far as his writings are concerned, since the Apostle Paul. And yet he had such health issues and he had such issues with depression that many times he would have to leave London and go to France for months at a time just so he could get his senses. He, he battled gout. He died before he was 60. And yet this man made such an impact, such an influence in the world in which he lived that after he died, the Queen of England had the flag lowered in honor of this great man of God. And so these are people who had experienced losses in their life, and yet what did they do? They continued to focus, just like John, just focus on God's love. Keep remembering, God loves me. God is with me. I think those are the two things we... Let, let, me, let me try to put that together. God loves me, and God is with me. Say that with me. God loves me, and God is with me. Say it again. God loves me, and God is with me. Say it by yourselves. Now say to your neighbor, God loves you and God is with you. Say that to them right now. And so I think that's what, and that's what John was doing. He was resting in God's love. Now second thing here, you've had a loss. What do you do? You focus on God. Let God heal you. Let God bring you through. But the second thing you do is you keep doing what you know is right. You keep doing what you know is right. Sometimes when we've had a loss in our lives... We ourselves are in such an emotional state that we just think we can't go on. And I, I mean, I think sometimes a person can get in such an emotional shape that that person needs to take some time just to get away and to refresh himself. I, I, I mean, there's even, there are even biblical examples of that. But that being done, 
after we've had a loss, if it's where we physically can. Now, physically, you just say, I can't, I can't do it. You have to shut it down for a little while and just maybe take a little time and let God give you that physical strength back. But if you can physically go to church, if you can physically read your Bible, if you can pray, if you can sing, if you, if you can just do those things that you know are the right things to do, you just keep doing what you know is right. Now turn to the book of Revelation. I want to show you how John did that. Here's a man who had so many losses that it's almost unthinkable, and yet he rested in God's love. He knew God was with him, and God healed him and saw him through those losses. Those wounds became scars, but then John just kept doing what he knew was right. Now look at this. This is interesting. Revelation chapter 1, look in verse 9. Now, he does identify himself in Revelation, and he said, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, now watch this, was on the island that is called Patmos. Now, why are you there, John? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm there because I've been exiled there. But look at verse 10. I was in the Spirit. On the Lord's day. That's one of the greatest lines in all the Bible to me. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Say that with me. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, when is the Lord's day? You tell me. What day is the Lord's day? Sunday. Use your brain. Had the old Apostle John had some good Lord's days in his life? Had he had some good Sundays? Do you remember the first Lord's day? We call it Easter. The Jews worship on the Sabbath, Saturday. Why did, the, why did Christians worship on Sunday? Why is Sunday called the Lord's Day? Because that was the day the Lord came out of that grave, and the day of worship from, for Christians changed from Saturday to Sunday. That's why we meet on Sunday. It's the rich Resurrection Sunday. Not, Easter's not just Resurrection. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, and it's called the Lord's Day. But I got to thinking about John. It would have been easy for John on that island in Patmos to have sat down in the corner somewhere and to have said, you know... Sixty years ago, Jesus called me to be his follower. I lost my job, lost my income, lost the privilege of working with my dad, who has now died, left everything to follow Jesus. My brother was killed. All my friends were killed. For some reason, I'm still living, but my health's not very good. And here I am, all alone, exiled, in prison, on Patmos, Because of my love and faith in Jesus Christ. It would have been easy for John to have said, you know, God, I just don't get it. I don't understand why you let my brother be killed so young. I don't understand why Peter had to be crucified like that. I don't understand, God, why I'm so weak I couldn't even go in my old church. And I don't understand, God, if you love me and if you're good and if I'm doing what's right, I don't understand why I would have been arrested and exiled and why I'm here on path. God, I don't understand that. And it would have been easy for that mindset to have developed in the old apostle John and for him to have lived that way day in, day out, day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. But that's not what he did. In verse 10, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He didn't say I was in pouting on the Lord's. He didn't say I was feeling sorry for myself on the Lord. He didn't say I was questioning God on the Lord's day. No, he said I was in the spirit. Well, as we come to the end of our time together today, I guess the question is this. Are you in the spirit? 
I know that some listening today are listening to this sermon on a Sunday. Others are listening to it on a different day of the week. So it may or may not be the Lord's Day where you're listening. But the question is not so much what day of the week is it. The question is, are you in the Spirit? John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And that's what I'm asking you today. Are you in the Spirit? You know, we can either be in the Spirit or we can be out of the Spirit. When we're out of the Spirit, we become negative and we become bitter and we get a bad attitude. But when we're in the Spirit, we're filled with faith and love and confidence and enthusiasm about life. And today, maybe you're enduring a painful loss. And the truth is, you haven't lost your salvation. You could never lose that. But you're out of the Spirit. You don't have the joy that you normally have. I would encourage you today to do two things. Number one, to remember God's love for you right there where you are right now, what you're going through. God loves you. His presence is there. His provision is there for you. He'll give you his peace if you will trust him. And then just keep doing what you can do. Keep doing what you know is right. And if you'll do those things, trust God to see you through. There'll come a day when you'll come out of this fog, you'll come through this loss better than you've ever been. Thanks for joining us today on Peace by Believing. Have a great week. 